Welcome back to Sports Waves, Malibu's only sports talk podcast, as we record this episode once again from the Pepperdine Graphic Media Podcast Studio. I'm Carl Winter, joined today by my co-host, Austin Lede. It's just the two of us today, your co-hosts, but we have so much to talk about. This should be our first really football and basketball-centered episode. And, of course, Super Bowl 56 has come and gone over the weekend. As we record this, we're just a few hours past a certain parade in a certain city near us. And, Austin, it was a big weekend for you as as your team. I'm guessing for the first time in your lifetime, you got to see them win the Lombardi Trophy. So we'll start with that. We'll, we'll recap the game, and then we'll get into some NBA action, which we haven't talked about yet. So we'll have plenty of trade deadline updates and all-star game updates and things of that nature. But, of course, we have to start with the Super Bowl. And I just want to know how you're feeling, what what the reaction is, and uh, just your reaction to the game. Um, first of all, I think it was a good game, and I think the Bengals were a good opponent. And, um, like, they made it farther than anyone expected. So shout-out to the Bengals. But I called it in the beginning of the season. I called it when we got Matt Stafford. I mean, we went all-in, especially when we got... Um, OBJ and Von Miller and I think I'm just so proud of all these players on the team they've been on like Aaron Donald Robert Woods I wish he was playing like Cooper Cup I just know how hard he works and everyone and it all came together this year and it's surreal it's a real feeling got it yeah I, I actually wanted to ask you since I've known all year that you've been a Rams fan um, what was that like growing up were you a fan of them when they were in St. Louis or just when they came to LA, or like, how? What is the kind of roller coaster of your fandom been like? And now it climaxes at this point of of your team winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. So my dad is from Inglewood, California. So he's like been a Rams fan all his life. And when they moved to St. Louis, he didn't want to switch. So like, I started watching them when I was younger in St. Louis, and they were not very good back then with Sam Bradford and Nick Foles those days. So not too good. But then they moved back to LA. We got Jared Goff. We got Sean McVay and. McVay is incredible, man. The youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl at 36. He's already been a two. I mean, he just turned the whole culture around, and yeah, that's why he won the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it, and it was a great game, ending to a great playoffs, really, especially after the wild card round. We were treated to seven games that were decided by either a field goal or a walk-off touchdown in one case. So just just great games throughout. So let's just get into the game a little bit. The final score ended up being 23-20, so it was a bit of a defensive struggle in the second half. First half was very exciting. I missed the majority of the first half because I was out trying to get food the whole time. Bad idea, don't order Buffalo Wild Wings on Super Bowl Sunday. So I missed the majority of the actual scoring. Uh, and then the second half, the, the Bengals score right off the bat on kind of a controversial play, and then the teams trade punts for a while. Bengals get held to a field goal before the Rams go on. Basically, what was the game-winning drive? They drive the length of the field. in a. Uh, there were some pass interference plays at the end and then touchdown pass from Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup. And then on the, the Bengals' last drive, they had, certainly have a chance. They had, they had enough time, um, but they just get stopped on fourth and one. Aaron Donald makes plays on third and one and fourth and one. So, Austin, what was the biggest play for you or the biggest turning point? Obviously, you can point to those last two drives were huge. Um, j- just what was your, your biggest moment of the game? Um, well, first I want to talk about the only touchdown the Bengals got is the offensive pass interference. I mean, he grabbed Jalen Ramsey's face mask. And that's the only touchdown we gave up in the second half. I think that's really just the defense turned it around in the second half. We started getting pressure. I mean, we got seven sacks in the Super Bowl. Von Miller, like, turned it on. Aaron Donald's a beast. I think Aaron Donald should have got MVP, but, I mean, I love Cooper Cup, so I don't care. But I really think it's the defense that stepped up for us. And then, we, I mean, Matt Stafford's been clutch his whole career, so then he was able to get it done. I miss. I, I wish OBJ played the whole game though I mean he was looking dominant in the first first quarter that's unfortunate 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, OBJ is one of the best storylines, and he he catches the first touchdown pass, a great catch. Jamar Chase makes his impact on the game known with a great catch as well for the Bengals to set up a score for them. But it really comes down to Aaron Donald. I mean, it starts and ends with him. Uh, he got a big sack in one of the Bengals' drives in the second half, which I thought was critical. It was like third and three from the 12 or so, and he gets a sack of Burrow, again, one of seven that the Rams had in this game, forcing the Bengals to settle for a field goal, which was big because this was the second half where the Rams' offense struggled for the vast majority of the half until the last drive when they made a few plays and Cup made a few great plays. Stafford made a few great throws. But it really comes down to Donald because the Bengals still had a great shot at the end. You you know, as a as a fan of just watching the game, you know, I expected Burrow to be able to put together a drive and maybe get at least a field goal attempt. They really only needed another couple first downs for that. But Aaron Donald, I mean, Sean McVay said it on the sideline. I, I'm sure you've seen that video yeah. that he expected Donald to make a play, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, so so many great storylines coming out of this game. I mean, what, what is your favorite story of you know a Rams player or coach that that has finally gotten over the hump and gotten their first championship? Um, obviously, I think Stafford because I mean, his first season with a new team, so many doubts. He can't win big. He can't win against good teams. All those narratives got put to rest, and so people are talking about his Hall of Fame credentials. He's not even done yet, so I don't know. But, I mean, just everyone, Whitworth, Donald, Ramsey, all these guys deserve it. And I, Once again, I wish Robert Woods was playing, and he deserves it too. And Van Jefferson having a baby after, I mean, you'll never forget that day. So just so many good stories. Eric Weddle, like, getting hurt in the first quarter, still playing the whole game. He, just, he was retired, like, five weeks ago. Just all, so many good stories. It's just so happy. Yeah, yeah, and we got to see some of that celebration with the parade, you know, earlier today as we record this. But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Van Jefferson having a, his son be born on the evening. He left the celebrations to go directly to the hospital. That was cool. I think OBJ's girlfriend is also expecting a baby this week. So big week for both of them. You know, big week for OBJ or big year for OBJ as, as people were, you know, kind of doubting his credibility when he was in his last few years with the Giants and then on the Browns. And then he it comes and is able to make a big impact on the game, unfortunately, goes down with an injury. Uh, but also Cooper Cup. I mean, Cup was had arguably the best season of a wide receiver ever this year, winning the receiving triple crown. And this, I mean, we forget, is coming from a guy who played at Eastern Washington, an FCS school, put up video game numbers there, but really was still kind of unsung. And still this year even got some flag for always playing in the slot. Like other people could put up those numbers in the slot. They have other talent, so on and so forth. But he really proved himself when you knew the ball was going to go to him, especially when OBJ went down and like Skoranek dropped a pass here or there. They were on their second, third string tight end. Like you knew Cooper Cup was going to get the ball and he still got it done. So pretty incredible. Any final thoughts from you, you know, on that game um, or just, you know, as a Rams fan heading into the offseason, um, where obviously, you know, trading away picks was worth it when you get a championship. So what are your what are your final thoughts there? Yeah, I just want to say Cooper Cup, like the only other receiver to win Offensive Player of the Year, a Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP is Jerry Rice. And he did that in his career. And Cooper Cup did that all in one season. So it's pretty incredible what he did. And um, yeah, I think might as well run it back. I mean, we got a super team. Hopefully get Von Miller back. Hopefully OBJ can recover quickly. But yeah, run it back. <laughs> Yeah, what did you think of the halftime show as well? I thought, it, I thought it was good. I mean, personally, I enjoyed it. I mean, people maybe older did not enjoy it too much, but I thought it was personally, I thought it was good. Yeah, I thought it was actually appealing to a lot of generations because a lot of times a Super Bowl halftime show, you'll get kind of like washed up stars because they don't pay them very well. 
So to have like Dr. Dre and 50 Cent and Snoop Dogg was kind of a throwback. I thought it was kind of weird that Eminem was there because he's not from L.A., but I mean, it was kind of like the most hip hop centric Super Bowl halftime show that we've ever had, which is great if you're a fan of hip hop like yeah. you and I. So I, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that like they didn't super overdo it with production, which they do sometimes. It was just here's the stars, here's their best songs. Let's do it in 15 minutes. So I was certainly a fan of that as well. And yeah, let's kind of look ahead to the future as we kind of close the book on what was a wild 2022 NFL season. And just look ahead, you know, we had so many great teams in the playoffs this year and a lot have big question marks going into the offseason, the Rams being one of them, in that there are questions over who they can resign, cap space, draft picks, who's going to retire. I mean, there were Eric Weddle said he's re-retiring, but there were questions about Donald retiring and McVeigh even retiring. So I guess I'll just start with that. Like, you know, what can you expect from the Rams as they try to defend this Super Bowl against, you know, an NFL that has a lot of up and coming teams? Yeah, so obviously we can't keep everyone. I mean, the NFL is a salary cap league. and But I think Donald and McVeigh are coming back. I mean, I think those are just reports. I mean, why not? I mean, they're so happy winning this Super Bowl. Imagine if we win another one. So, And, like, winning is an addictive feeling. So this is, like, the best. So, um, yeah, but obviously we're not going to be able to keep everyone. I want to keep OBJ, though, but we still have Robert Woods. Um, I want to pay Von Miller, but, you know, we can't pay everyone. So we'll see. It'll be interesting, but I think we'll still contend next year. I mean, we're still going to have Stafford, Cup, Cam Akers. So, yeah. Yeah, who do you think has the most upside or best immediate future of, like, the kind of the teams that were contenders this year? Who do you expect to kind of improve even more in the offseason versus, you know, a team like the Bengals? You can expect them to improve, but they also could come back to earth. So who do you expect to, to have the best immediate future? Um, I, honestly, I think I hate to say it, but I think the Niners without Jimmy G and getting Trey Lance in there, I think he'll shine really well. I think he has a bright future. And someone like the Broncos, if they get a quarterback like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, I think they have a Super Bowl winning roster, and they just need that guy at quarterback, kind of like the Bucks a few years ago. So watch out for them. And yeah, yeah, the Packers are interesting, and the Niners as well, and the Broncos. I mean, the Packers, a year ago, you'd think that at this point, Rodgers would be leaving. Now it seems like him and Adams are strongly considering staying, even though they lost in the first round of the playoffs. So I'm interested to see where that goes. As a Bears fan, I'm hoping they lose everyone. Um, but, th that you know, they still have a window with those two guys. As long as those two guys are still there, they still have a chance. And LaFleur had a really good year as a coach. For me... You know, looking at next year, I'm looking at the Bills because I don't see them as a team with a ton of weaknesses, and I think they could have won the Super Bowl this year. They just kind of got unlucky at the end, didn't play well on defense at the end. Had they beaten the Chiefs, I think they would have had a good chance to beat the Bengals and then maybe win the Super Bowl. So I, I'm excited to see what they do this offseason because I think they're a team that is going to be an immediate contender right off the bat next year. And how about long-term future? You know, is there any team that either didn't make the playoffs this year or it's interesting that you brought up the Niners because, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what, what to expect from them. But just a team that might be flying under the radar that you think could have a great year next year. Um, I wouldn't say a great year next year, but getting steps in the right direction. I think the Jets, actually, they kind of turned around at the end of the year. And it just looks like the players really play for Robert Sala. Like, he's a good coach, and he's, like, changing that locker room. But it's going to take a few years. I mean, the Jets have been a mess for while now. I think Zach Wilson is their guy at quarterback. Just got to get him a line, surround him with a a better team, a better defense, and I think they could win at least six, seven games next year, which, I mean, I think the Jets fans would take, so look out for them long term. 
Yeah, that, that that's definitely a good point that, you know, there are some franchises that are really going to turn it around. There are always teams that make a massive jump, and it's really hard to predict who it's going to be. For me, I'm going to say the Chargers, not that they were bad this year, but just that I think they can get over the hump next year with a, a couple of additional pieces because they've been winning a lot of games despite, you know, having breakdowns on defense. So, you know, Justin Herbert is one of the most exciting players in the league, and I think it's a it is a legitimate debate between him and Joe Burrow. They're both really great young quarterbacks, and Burrow proved it this year in terms of wins, but also definitely had a good team behind him. They had good weapons, and the Bengals' defense played great down the stretch. So I think the AFC, I mean, I'm glad my team's not in the AFC because it is such a war with these young quarterbacks that are coming up. I mean, it, any of you know four or five teams you can you could consider to be the favorites. So I'm interested to see what the Chargers are able to do in a very tough division. All right, well, I think that closes the book for us on the NFL season, and I'm sure we'll have some storylines in the offseason to bring up. But now, you know, the MLB's locked out. So we turn our, in the U.S., we definitely, we turn our attention to the NBA. And there is so much to talk about that we could have spent this whole episode talking about the Super Bowl, but we'd be remiss if we didn't mention what's going on in the NBA. So it's, it's the first time we're going to get to spend significant time on it. Trade deadline came and went last week. We've got the All-Star game coming up this weekend. So let's start with the trade deadline. And of course, we had a massive blockbuster trade, as the NBA tends to do because it's such a drama-filled league. Um, but it, it's fun to watch. So the Nets and Sixers, there's been a lot of debate after the fact. that So the Sixers get James Harden and Paul Millsap. The Nets get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round draft picks one coming up in 2022 and then one in 2027. So just a blockbuster deal with two major stars moving. And this is a really interesting one to debate in terms of who wins, who won the trade for this year or for the long-term future. I mean, Kevin Durant even said, I think everybody got what they wanted. Do you agree with that assessment that this could be a plus for both teams? Yeah, I don't think there's always a winner and loser in trade. I mean, that's why people trade. They're getting things they want. They're giving away things they don't want. And um, obviously, Ben Simmons didn't want to play in Philadelphia. I mean, the fans were too harsh on him, and it's kind of soft. But And then James Harden, I guess, did not want to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie. I mean, he just did not seem happy there. So I think they both got what they wanted. And, I mean, I think the Nets got even more, a few more pieces that like could help him out in the in the playoffs, like Seth Curry or Andre Drummond. So... I think it's a good trade for both teams, and we'll see what Harden does in Philadelphia, but I think there's not a winner or a loser, really. Yeah, I agree. I think it might come down to chemistry. I, I tend to say that the Nets did better for their future and that they got the picks. Seth Curry, I think, is going to absolutely do wonders for them as well, and I think Simmons kind of complements Kyrie and Durant better than Harden does because, you know, like we say, not everybody can shoot the ball at once. So... I, I, I'm really excited to see him come back. I mean, basically, he's been holding out the entire year, hasn't even practiced with the Sixers. So when he comes back, I'm interested to see how the Nets kind of turn things around because they've been they've been dealing with injuries and Kyrie not being able to play at home, but also they just have lost like ten games in a row, which shouldn't be acceptable for a, you know a team with this kind of talent. So versus for the Sixers, they might only be getting a half season of James Harden, which is tough because he has a big contract and you just gave away Simmons. But at the same time, you got James Harden for Simmons, which people were thinking that they should just give away Simmons for nothing because he isn't playing. So, And you upgrade from Seth Curry to James Harden in terms of talent. So it's really just going to come down to how well he gels with Embiid. But 
the Sixers are in a better position right now as a team. Like they're playing better. They're in like middle of the pack in the East versus the Nets are kind of trying to keep their head above water. So I do agree that um, it, it could be a win for both teams. Which team do you see making a deeper run in the playoffs this year? I mean, these were both teams that we'd expect to be title contenders before the year and are kind of in interesting spots right now. Um, I definitely think the Nets, just because KD is a good playoff performer, I think Ben Simmons will be back by then. And James Harden's kind of known for crumbling in the playoffs. I mean, it'll be a new new team for him. And I just don't know. I mean, the the East is hard this year. And I don't know, the Sixers never make it out. We always think they're going to make it like this is their year. And I, I think the Nets will make it farther. Yeah, I agree. I, I Because I just think that their supporting cast is better. They've had a lot of... Like, you know, really solid rookies make some contributions this year. This is where I bring Kessler Edwards into the conversation somehow <laughs> for, for Pepperdine. Um, but, yeah, just, just some exciting guys coming in off the bench. So it, especially if Kyrie's able to start playing home games, which kind of depends on New York City changing its vaccine mandate. And, you know, that could make a big difference as well. But I'm, I'm really interested to see how Simmons gels in a new environment because he's a player that gets criticized a lot and he deserves a lot of it. But also playing with two stars like this, you'd think it would complement his game really well. So we'll see on those two teams. But of course, a ton of other went down during the trade deadline. You know, some some moves that flew under the radar. Uh, I'm thinking of Christos Porzingis getting traded away from the Mavericks. And he was kind of a guy who they expected to be able to build around alongside Luka Doncic. And, you know, they're both from Europe and their games kind of complemented each other. But it just wasn't working out. Porzingis wasn't playing very well and he was injured. So they traded the Wizards for Davis Bertans and Spencer Dinwiddie, who have both been really good players in the past, but haven't been playing that well this year. So what do you think this means for the Mavs, who are contenders this year? I mean, they're, they're I think, fifth in the West right now, which is tough to do. Um, yeah, I saw Charles Barkley say they call Kristaps the unicorn because, like, his play style, but also you never see him because he's always hurt. So I think it just wasn't a good fit in Dallas. Like, Luke and him, I guess, never really got along. He was always injury prone. They couldn't count on him. But I feel like they could have got more from him. Because Dinwiddie and Bertans, yeah, they they played good in the past. But, like, right now, they're not doing very good. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm not an NBA GM, so I guess we'll see how it goes. But I think I think the Wizards won this trade. I mean, they're trying to build around Bradley Beal, get him to stay. And this is a piece that maybe could. Like, maybe they get another piece here and there. And I don't know. We'll see. But for right now, I think the Wizards won the trade. Yeah, it, it really comes down to whether Dinwiddie and Bertans can get back to the levels they were. I mean, they've both been kind of injury-prone and just haven't been shooting nearly as efficiently as they have in the past. But they also won't have to shoot at a high volume with the Mavs, I don't think. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how that goes for Dallas building around Luka. A couple of other trades of note. The Blazers, you know, finally blew it up in that they're not going to roll with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum anymore. They they haven't been having a good year, so they trade McCollum to the Pelicans. You know, what was your thought on that and then finally kind of giving up on that backcourt? Yeah, okay, well, first everyone said, like, the Dame-CJ backcourt failed. And, like, not every everyone's going to win a championship. Like, that's why there's great players. I mean, they made the playoffs, like, what, like seven times in a row or something, and they were one of the most dynamic backcourts in the league always. I'm a big fan of CJ McCollum, so I'm glad... He went to a new place. I think he's very happy in New Orleans. And him and Brandon Ingram when Zion comes back, I mean, that's a good trio of scores right there. I think it would be very nice. And the Blazers, I mean, yeah, they're just, I guess they're just blowing it up, having Dame and seeing who else they can get. I mean, I don't know if he wants to stay with that, but I guess they're just starting from scratch. But I think it's a good trade for the Pelicans. I think it really is. Yeah, I'm interested to see how the Pelicans are in the future as well. They've got some upside versus the Blazers. Yeah, it's kind of where you go from here because – 
you don't really want to rebuild when you still have star players like Damian Lillard. But and also, it's interesting how loyal he is to Portland. I mean, I I feel like they've there have been ways for him to get out if he wanted to, especially because the NBA is such a player driven league right now that if he wanted to go elsewhere, he could make it happen. But he doesn't want to, which is admirable. But at the same time, it raises a question of you know, is he ever going to even reach the finals? So that's that's my two cents on that. Uh, another kind of one that I thought was significant was the Celtics getting Derek White from the Spurs and, you know, just kind of solidifying their identity as, well, first of all, it's strange seeing the Spurs be as bad as they are because they've been good for my entire life. But seeing the Celtics kind of like lock in on, you know, defensive minded players, you know, they, they're really good on the perimeter on defense. And, you know, I think Derek White is a young player with a lot of upside. So I think this was kind of a really big trade for the Celtics to you know up their status as contenders as, as you mentioned the east is incredibly tough this year so you know that trade or anything else was there any other trade that you thought kind of flew under the radar that was significant um no i think this was a sneaky good move by the celtics i think they've won like what 10 games in a row now and they just have like this new identity with marcus smart and defense and i think i think Derek white's a very underrated player i think he's very solid for the spurs and it is weird seeing the spurs like so bad because they've been good all my life but yeah, I think the Celtics can make a push this year. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, and if they get there, who knows? So I think it was a good move by them. Yeah, they've certainly been more consistent in their play than a lot of teams in the East this year, you know, teams that are more star-laden. So it really just comes down to, you know, whether they have Jason Tatum or someone else be able to take over games in the playoffs because that's kind of what you're going to need. But I'm excited to see them in the future. Uh, also, your Lakers, did, did you expect them to do anything at the deadline, or were you not really surprised that they kind of laid low? I mean, I knew no team was going to take Westbrook because we're paying him $44 million, and he's not playing the greatest. But I thought we were going to get some role players, some shooters, some defenders. We need everything. We can't shoot. We can't defend. Like, no one fits around LeBron except AD, really. And I don't know, man. This is so disappointing, but... <laughs> It's such a disappointing season. We're just wasting. LeBron's playing out of his mind still. He's 37. Like, we're not going to have him for much longer. Like, we have to go all in like the Rams, like, with LeBron and AD. And, like, we're just throwing it away. We might not even make the playoffs. Like, it's just a sad Lakers fan. Yeah, and I, just to add to the sadness of the conversation, you know, I grew up in Northern California where the closest team to me was the Sacramento Kings, who have been terrible throughout my entire life. So they got a lot of flack for moves they made over the deadline in that they traded a package including Buddy Heald and uh, Tyrese Halliburton to the Pacers for a package including DeMontis Sabonis, which at face value, you know, isn't terrible because Sabonis might gel well with De'Aaron Fox and that's kind of what they're going to try and build around. They got rid of Heald's contract, which is a good thing because they were paying him too much, but I just can't believe that they got rid of Halliburton because he's such an exciting player and he might eventually, partially because they're paying him a lot less, could be the player they build around instead of Fox. So it's interesting that they kind of had to choose between the two, but Sacramento was all up in arms over this one because he's the most exciting player they've had in a while. I'm also glad they got rid of Marvin Bagley during the trade deadline because he was a zero-plus contract for them, but... I just can't believe they got rid of Halliburton, and the franchise is just such a mess. I mean, it, it, most people forget about the Kings because they've been so irrelevant since losing to the Lakers in the playoffs in, like, 2002 that they've had almost nothing to celebrate, and Halliburton was a guy to celebrate. So that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. 
But let's move on uh, to something more positive, which is the All-Star game coming up this weekend in the NBA. We've got Team Durant against Team LeBron in the actual All-Star game, though Durant won't play. And it was absolutely hilarious when they were picking these teams because they were with the inside the NBA guys, uh, you know, Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley and Shaq. And the, just the jokes they were cracking and LeBron clearly was just saying whatever he wanted and they were kind of poking fun at Durant for for Harden leaving. Uh, so I thought that was I thought that was interesting. Uh, you know, what are you looking forward to in this All-Star weekend? Uh, you know, are you looking forward to watching the game or is there, there just any event of All-Star weekend that you try to tune into every year? Um, yeah, I definitely like the highlights of the All-Star game. I definitely don't watch the whole game because I mean, it's kind of boring. No defense, but I mean, a lot of points, a lot of dunks, a lot of flashy plays. So I look forward to that. But definitely the dunk contest is what, I mean, I think most people are excited for. It's like the most exciting event. And a lot of young good guards in it, Cole Anthony and Jalen Green are in it. I mean, I just always think it looks cooler when like guards dunk instead of like big guys because it's just like they're like smaller and fly higher. So I think it'll be really good. My prediction is that Jalen Green will win in his rookie year. So definitely looking forward to that. And I had the three-point contest has some like weird people in it, like Patty Mills and stuff. So like I, I usually like that one and I'll still watch. But I'm definitely excited for the dunk contest more. Yeah, I agree. I think the dunk contest is kind of the highlight. I barely even watch the game itself uh, because, you know, there's, you know, I just basically try and score 200 points every time. It's also like since they've had this format of the players getting to pick their teams, I think it's great because I think the selection show is usually really funny. But also, it seems like LeBron always picks a way better team than everyone else. <laughs> and I have no idea how his team is so stacked every year. I mean, his starters are him, Jokic, DeMar DeRozan, Steph Curry, and Giannis. So. I just don't see how anybody's going to match up. I mean, it doesn't matter because it's the All-Star game. But I, I think that's pretty humorous. How like When it was LeBron and Curry picking, I also think LeBron's team was just way better. So maybe the, the even the best players in the NBA aren't really good judges of who the best players in the NBA are, except LeBron. Um, but also, you know, I'm excited to see DeMar DeRozan in there. He's been playing out of his mind this year. He had the two uh, back-to-back games with buzzer beaters. This past week, he's been putting up like 37 a game. So he's really keeping the Bulls afloat as well with Alonzo Ball and Alex Caruso being out with injuries. So, you know, DeMar looks like a whole new player, and I could reiterate to Bleacher Report every week, how did you call him the worst free agency signing of the offseason because he's been a revelation for us. So also guys like LaMelo Ball and John Moran making their debuts in the All-Star game is pretty exciting. I mean, LaMelo's only 20 years old, fourth youngest player to appear in an All-Star game. So I'm excited to see those guys as well during All-Star Weekend. Anything to add on All-Star Weekend, Austin? Um, no, we can't talk about DeMar. Yeah, go okay. for it. The Lakers should have got DeMar instead of Russ. We should, like We were talking about that, and then, like, oh, it's not going to fit, like, DeMar, like, he doesn't shoot threes well. When he was Russ, and then we got Russell Westbrook, so... But I don't know why Bleacher Report called him, like, the worst signing. I mean, he'll literally fit anywhere. He's just a mid-range shooter. That's, I mean, he's so good. He's like had 35 points, I think, the last six games on 50% shooting. Like, even Jordan didn't do that as his bull. So, it's playing out of his mind. I'm a really big DeMar fan, so very happy for him. Yeah, I've, I've just been extremely excited with the way he's played all year. And he kind of fits in anywhere. I mean, he's not really a guy that is going to like really hog the ball if he, like, he doesn't need a ton of the ball. But also, when he's hot, he's hot. And like, just his style of play kind of complements a lot of other a lot of other pieces in terms of bigs or, or guards that shoot from the outside. So just a great player to watch, and I'm excited to see what the Bulls are able to do. They're kind of middling between are we a contender, are we not, but we're dealing with injuries. 
Speaking of injuries, a lot of teams are dealing with them, and that could make a difference heading into the playoff picture. So is there anything you're expecting between now and the end of the regular season for teams that are kind of overachieving right now or underachieving right now that you expect to get into the playoffs or move out of the playoffs kind of based on just, you know, regression to the mean or getting guys back that have been injured? Um, well, as a Laker fan, I, hopefully we're going to make a push, man, at the end of the year. I mean, I've been saying it all year. I think, like, eventually we got to win some games, but, I mean, that's just me being a hopeful Laker fan. Um, I think the Suns will continue their dominance. I mean, I just think CP3 and Devin Booker work so well together, and CP3 is just more like a player coach. He's a coach on the court, and all those young guys really listen to him, and, like, they're his leader. So um, I think they're going to make it out of the West again, probably. And we might have a rematch of the Bucks. I mean, they look amazing, too. Giannis just put, put up 50 points on, like, 16 shot attempts or something like that. So, I mean, he's playing out of his mind. And we'll see. I think the Sixers will end up short, like coming up short, even with the James Harden move, and it'll be disappointing. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. It's been a it's been a strange year with teams over and underachieving. I mean, both LA teams obviously have underachieved mightily, and I do hate to say it to you, but I I expect the Clippers to make the playoffs. You know, if they're able to get healthy, because P, PG and uh, Kawhi have been injured for a majority of the year. Um, I've been really excited to see the Grizzlies all year. I mean, they're a lot of fun to watch with you know Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson and, of course, John Moran. So they're a team that I expect to continue achieving at this level, but it is tough with the Suns and the Warriors kind of dominating there at the top of the West. And teams that I, you know, I've been really surprised by that I don't know if they can maintain is the Jazz and the Cavs, um, which are fun teams to watch that have, you know, solid young players. I mean, the Cavs picked up Karis LeVert as well at the deadline, and you got Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, so... They're a fun team. I don't know that they can keep up with the big dogs in the East, but it always seems like there's you know a team that gets surprised in the playoffs. Will it be them? I don't know, but I am excited to see that, and yeah, also to see if the Lakers and the Cavs or the Lakers and the Clippers can make a push because in order to get in, they're going to have to knock somebody out. So I, I think they might knock out the Timberwolves, but you know Anthony Edwards is a lot of fun to watch too. So who wouldn't want to see him in the playoffs? All right, Austin. Anything else to add? on the NBA as we head into the second half of the season, uh, just that you've noticed. I mean, it was good for me to kind of brush up on what's been going on. Um, I forgot to mention the Cavs. They're definitely a fun, exciting team. Jared Allen making his first All-Star game. Evan Mobley's from my hometown, so shout out to Mecula. And um, I think they're going to be like last year's Hawks. Like they, I mean, they could make the Eastern Conference Finals. Who knows if they get hot? But I think the Cavs are definitely a team to look out for. Yep, very exciting. Mobley, you know, played incredibly at USC in his one year there as well and Allen's obviously uh impressive as well in the paint so fun team to watch we'll keep an eye on the Cavs throughout the year all right well that is our NFL wrap up and our NBA midseason update and I'm sure we'll have more of that for you in coming weeks and hopefully have some guests for you as well quick update on Pepperdine Athletics one of the most exciting events that happened over the weekend was actually PGA Tour Golf at the Phoenix Open or the Waste Management Open, I forget which one it's called, in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is kind of a rowdy tournament every year. But at the top of the leaderboard throughout the weekend, we had Sahith Thigala, who's a Pepperdine graduate, won the Haskins Award, which is the golf equivalent of the Heisman in his senior year here at Pepperdine, even though it was cut short. And now he's just a rookie on the tour, and he made it into the tournament on a sponsor's exemption, basically meaning he barely got in. And he led the tournament after the first round. He led the tournament after the second round. He led the tournament after the third round, was playing in the final group on Sunday. You know, as the game or as the tournament stretched into the Super Bowl, 
and got a just a super unlucky bounce on his tee shot on 17 and ended up finishing third, but still took home hundreds of thousands of dollars, nearly got his first win on the tour. So we're excited to see him as he plays in the future and kind of makes a name for himself on the tour. Also, Pepperdine baseball kicking off this weekend, both basketball teams heading into the stretch run of their WCC seasons. And of course, we've got men's golf, women's tennis, and men's volleyball who are continuing to be ranked in the top 10 in the country. So that's our quick little one-minute Pepperdine athletics updates. And I'm sure we'll have plenty more exciting sports for you coming up. And we'll talk about NBA, we'll talk about Pepperdine, and plenty of other things coming up as well. So that's our fifth episode of Sports Waves in 2022. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for listening to Sports Waves. I'm your co-host, Carl Winter, and I was joined today by my co-host, Austin Lede. You can catch Sports Waves on Twitter at Sports Waves Pod for updates on the podcast, new episodes, and some chatter about professional sports. Sports Waves is a Pepperdine Graphic Media podcast production. You can follow Pepperdine Graphic Media at Pep Graphic on Twitter and Instagram. That's at P-E-P-P Graphic for updates on Sports Waves and other podcasts in the Pepperdine Graphic Media podcast system. You can also catch us on our website, pepperdine-graphic.com. Again, that's pepperdine-graphic.com for all PGM content. Thank you for listening and have a fantastic week.